Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your church, founded upon your word, that challenges us to do more than sing and pray, but go out and work as though the very answer to our prayers depended on us and not upon you. Help us to realize that humanity was created to shine like the stars and live on through all eternity. Keep us, we pray, in perfect peace. Help us to walk together, pray together, sing together, and live together until that day when all God's children, black, white, red, brown, and yellow, will rejoice in one common band of humanity. In the reign of our Lord and of our God, we pray. Amen. Alleluia! Christ is risen. They are risen indeed. Alleluia! Alleluia! Good morning, my friends. I need to start with a bit of a confession today. I am having a bit of a hard time proclaiming those traditional words today. I need your help. Will you please help me and say them with me? Alleluia, Christ is risen. They are risen indeed. Alleluia, alleluia. Thank you. Sometimes it does take a village. Maybe these words are hard for me to say this morning because so many lives have been lost this past year to COVID. And I am afraid of minimizing or offending or upsetting people who are in the midst of their grief. Maybe it's because research now shows us that our youth are struggling more than ever right now. They are more stressed, more anxious, more clinically depressed than any other demographic during this time of the pandemic. Maybe it's because today, April 4th, is the anniversary of the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr., what some have deemed to be the saddest day in America's history. Maybe it's because the number of migrant children in custody along the border has tripled in the past two weeks without a clear remedy yet in sight. Maybe it's hard because of the mass shootings in this country. They continue at an alarming rate. At least 20 mass shootings have occurred since the Atlanta shooting two weeks ago. Maybe it's because this week we have had our hearts broken again and re-traumatized as former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin's trial for the murder of George Floyd has begun. Or maybe it's simply because there is so much of the world that is hurting right now, so much that needs resurrection. Respect and equality for our transgender siblings in Arkansas and all over the world. Work to reclaim voting rights in Georgia and maybe Michigan and maybe all across the United States. Speaking out against anti-Asian hate and discrimination. And the list goes on and on. There is so much to trouble our hearts today. Any of those alone might be the reason why it feels hard to proclaim the triumph of the resurrection today. And yet, and still, 
we do and we must. So why is it that we must claim the resurrection in the midst of all this pain and suffering? As I was struggling this week, I came across a short piece about the power and necessity of the resurrection. It's from one of my spiritual teachers and mentors, Jesuit priest and the founder of the Center for Contemplation and Action, Father Richard Rohr. He writes, Christ crucified is all of the hidden, private, tragic pain of history made public and given over to God. Christ resurrected is all of that private, ungrieved, unnoted suffering received, loved, and transformed by an all-caring God. How else could we believe in God at all? How else could we have any kind of cosmic hope? How else would we not die of sadness for what humanity has done to itself and to one another? The cross, he writes, is the banner of what we have done to one another and to God. The resurrection is the banner of what God has done to us in return. Easter, then, is the announcement of God's perfect and final victory. This helps me today. This helps me as it reframes and invites a different perspective. It reminds me that claiming the resurrection is perhaps another way of claiming the power of revolutionary love. For years, I have struggled with the theological claim that Jesus died for our sins. The fancy word for this is substitutionary atonement. It is the belief that Jesus came to suffer and die for us as a substitute for us and our sinful nature. As a child of God, as a mother, as a lesbian, as a follower of the way of love, I have never found that theology helpful, and in fact, it has hurt so many of us living on the margins. Rather, I have found deep meaning and purpose believing that Jesus was put to death because of the love that we could not accept in his life, the radical and selfless love that animated and inspired his ministry among us. From the start, Jesus walked into the temple and announced God had sent him to bring good news to the captives and to set the poor free. And all were amazed and cheered at first, until he underscored that all really meant all. And then what did they try to do? They tried to throw him off the cliff. <laughs> Jesus's life, his preaching, his teaching, his healing, were all about speaking truth to power, including the marginalized, touching the untouchables, holding people accountable, challenging oppressive systems, crossing and breaking down every border and barrier, upsetting polite company, and making friends with those who didn't think they had a place at the table, those who were never given a voice. I am not the first to say it, but I think it bears repeating. Jesus did not come to start a church or to inspire the birth of more Christian denominations than we could ever count. No, Jesus came, lived, died, and rose again because of a love that we could not embrace. 
And it is that love story in all its tragedy and glory that provides the pattern that we want to live our lives by. The power of the resurrection then becomes the starting point for a life of faith built on the foundation of that kind of selfless, generous, radical, courageous love. There is nothing simplistic or idealistic or sugar-coated about proclaiming the resurrection when understood in those terms. In fact, I'm starting to believe through living in this beloved community of Trinity that today is the day that the world needs us to proclaim and live out what I'm just going to start calling big love. Today is the very day we need to stand in the middle of a hurting, unjust, struggling world and proclaim what others may say is impossible. Love wins. Hope is real and death is never the end of the story. I'm reminded that it was Martin Luther King Jr. who said, there is nothing more tragic than sleeping through a revolution. Proclaiming the resurrection is our revolution. In our presiding Bishop Michael Curry's Easter message earlier this week, he wonders what it took Mary Magdalene and the other women to get up early that morning and make their way to the empty tomb. How and why did they go and try to do something that they might not have been able to do because of the circumstances? Their tradition invited them to anoint the body of the dead with special herbs. But how could they get to the body with a stone blocking the tomb's entrance. They certainly weren't going to be able to move the stone themselves, but they went anyway. Bishop Curry wants to ask her, what was her secret? Let's listen to a short clip of what he has to say. I wanna ask her, Mary, tell me what got you up that day. Tell me, what got you to go to the tomb early in the morning when it was dark and you could barely see? Why did you get up and go to anoint his body? Mark's gospel says that you and the other women said to each other, you knew that Jesus had been buried in that tomb that had been provided by Joseph of Arimathea with Nicodemus's help but a large stone had been rolled in front of the, the doorway into the tomb. And one of the women said to the other, who will roll away the stone for us? You knew the stone was there. You knew you couldn't move it. And yet you got up and you went anyway, Mary. Tell me your secret. And I suspect she probably will say, well, we didn't know how we were going to roll away the stone. But we loved him and we got up and went anyway. It was hard because it was dark. But we loved him and we got up and we went anyway. Those roads could be dangerous at night. But we loved Jesus. And we got up and we went anyway. Who will roll away the stone for us? 
we did not know. But we loved him and we got up and we went anyway. And let me tell you what love can do for you. When we got to the tomb, the stone had already been rolled away. And we shouted our hallelujahs and shouted our hallelujahs. He is risen. Thank you, Bishop Curry. So here we are today, standing in the middle of a complicated, messy, challenging, hurting time for so many, and the tomb is empty. It's not an easy time to be sure. And yet and still, we too are called to shout our alleluias, to proclaim that he is risen. The women didn't have much of a plan, if you ask me, but it seemed to have worked out okay for them. What they did have was big love. What they did have was a passion to serve. What they did have was trust in God's radical love. And what they found was that the impossible was made possible. This is a powerful story for us. It is not a cosmic magic trick or an empirically provable fact, but rather, and I would suggest more importantly, it is a call to claim that kind of big love in our lives as well. May Easter be for us about removing any of the large stones in our lives that keep us locked up either inside or outside from embracing that big love. May this season of resurrection ignite a new passion in our hearts to stand with and for the dignity of every human being. And may we keep standing together as a community knowing that some days it will take others in our village to proclaim for all of us the life-changing call of revolutionary love. Alleluia, Christ is risen. They are risen indeed. Alleluia, alleluia. Happy Easter, may it be so.